0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Professor Ziva Hassenfeld and Rabbi Brent Spodek on Parsha Shemot. For the latest episode of the Parsha podcast, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Professor Ziva Hassenfeld and Rabbi Brent Spodek. My name is Ziva Hassan and it's so good to be back with you Brent and uh, to be learning with our Pardes community.
1: Indeed Ziva it's great. I'm Rabbi Brent Smodek up in the Hudson Valley in New York and I so enjoyed learning with you and I'm excited to dive into parshat chmela with you today.
0: Yes, what? A so sm- what do you? what do we have here? Um so I want to share some thoughts. It so happens, I mean, it's hard to pick one thing and talk about it in Parsha at Shmuel, but it so happens that my favorite character in the whole world, Miriam Hanivia, uh appears as a young child, which is my favorite stage of life in our Parsha. Uh, but I, I thought that if, if you would indulge me, I really wanted to uh, dedicate my learning today.
1: Of course, of course. Uh, to, to whose merit do we dedicate our learning?
0: So the amazing... Uh, Sarah Wolkenfeld of, of SFARIA it was with us uh, at Brandeis yesterday. And um, I first learned this with her. And she just continues to inspire me. And um, I want to dedicate this to her. And she's in my heart today.
1: Oh, well, that is that is wonderful. What a fabulous person to, uh, to dedicate our learning to. And I, I wasn't with you at Brandeis yesterday, but I know Sarah. And I'm excited to join in with you.
0: Great. Okay, so I'm going to take us uh, now that we have reason and um, and the scoot of of Sarah and of Sfaria with us. I want to take us right to the first chapter of our Parsha Shmot, and All right, let's um, dive in. And sort of the as things fall apart for the Jewish community in Egypt and. Um, and a new pharaoh, a new king who who doesn't know Joseph, rises to power, and then we get this terrible, terrible uh, decree that all of the Hebrew boys have to be killed. And yeah. it is in this really dark moment, of course, we meet um, we meet some of our greatest protagonists of all time in Jewish history, including Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam.
1: Sure. Yeah. This is. This is really the start of the Jewish people, right? Genesis is about the family of Abraham and sort of the progenitors of the Jewish people, but here's where we really start as a as a nation.
0: Exactly, and we start in this in this dark place, and we know. Um, that Moshe's mom, Yochaved, hides Moshe for three months, but at which point she's no longer able to hide him. And so at a loss of what to do, she puts Moshe in the teva, in the basket, and takes it down to the Nile. And the text of the Torah tells us something that, I'm not sure if you remember this, but do you remember who else was at the Nile with Moshe and Yochaved? Uh, At Paro? But Perel comes, but it's actually Miriam. Miriam, this is this is the this of is going to all about yes. Miriam today. Um, and a lot of what I say is um, um, written about beautifully by um, Yochi Brandes, a, uh, a scholar and author of novels in in Israel. And um, she reminded me that Miriam not only comes with. With her mother, but stays there. and so when her mother leaves, we're told that um that Miriam right but and uh, let me actually take you there and not just read it so now I'm, I've skipped us to chapter two verse four okay that even after this horrible moment where where Moshe is put into the basket and we don't know the fate. It is Miriam, his big sister, who stays to find out what's gonna be with him. And so already I'm intrigued by this little girl, this little girl who has the bravery to stay and to see what's gonna happen in this really difficult moment. Um,
1: and you know, I'm, I'm struck if I could just jump in for a second there, even on that first word, uh, the tete save right? It, it's it's it, the, she stood there, but it has a, a feeling. I uh, just looked it up, thank you, Safaria, with the BDB now just being able to yes. click on it, right? And it ha- it, it, it does. Yeah. It has the yeah, it has the it has the aspect to station oneself to take one stand, and you know, I'm thinking about Miriam as like really a little kid there, not just like perching there, not just sort of like happening by there but really taking a stand, planting herself there at this pivotal moment in Moshe's life and in our history.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's such a powerful word. And yet, if we didn't, right, if we didn't know this story, if we don't come back to the story year after year, we could pause in this moment and say, what on earth is she standing there to see, right? What could possibly happen? Like the Mm -hmm. baby has been abandoned. It doesn't seem like, much good could happen. Now, of course, we know that in this miraculous turn of events, actually something quite amazing happened. Pharaoh's own daughter appears, not just not just a, uh innocent bystander, but the most powerful woman in the land. And wow. the Torah yeah. tells us that she comes to bathe. And as she's about to bathe, she sees the teva, the basket with baby Moshe, and has it retrieved by her Servant girl opens it, locks eyes with this crying baby, and then takes pity on him.
1: Mm-hmm. And so uh, my- although I'm, I, I'm sh- oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go no, ahead. no.
0: Please, please. I, I,
1: I'm just struck. I'm always uh, leery of going out of my depth in grammar, but right here in that first word, batiftah, batir ehu. What is the object of Tiftach? What was, because if it was the Teva that was open, should there be a hay there? Or, or uh, right, something indicating mm. that it was, she opened the ark? Mm.
0: That's a great and
1: question. What, the, the reason I ask is because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking perhaps about that moment for Bat Paro there, and um, it would be an overread to read that as reflexive. But I'm wondering about, uh, and this is admittedly a little into the realm of drush, not not shot. But if it wasn't simply that she opened the table, but she was also opened or opened herself to that moment, right? In order to have compassion on this little baby, she she had to open herself up. She was living in a political environment where um, Jews were dehumanized, right? That's the first step in any sort of uh, genocidal uh, plan. Dehumanize your 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 victims, and I'm just very curious about right that she had mercy, that she had uh, what was the word, uh, tachmol, right? And I'm wondering what sort of an opening was necessary for Bat Paro in order to have that that compassion, that mercy.
0: That's that that's such a nice point, and um, and I would say, of course, um, of course, I'm pushing, I'm I'm swimming against the rabbinic tide here. But I'd say, uh, yeah, nothing special is happening here. And in fact, don't read too much into it. I love your question. But the fact that she refers uh, she refers to the baby as Zeth is my evidence that mm. she's not like so moved. Okay, she does have a beating heart. But she's not so deeply, profoundly moved, certainly not moved in any political or existential uh, way to say, you know, I see the structural uh, oppression that is happening here. <laughs> and um, so,
1: right, right. This isn't, this isn't woke, bot Paro.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I just came from a talk where, you know, woke is a good thing, Brent, and, and she is not woke. And yet, in this exact moment, my favorite character, Miriam, who has been standing there and watching, has the chutzpah to approach the daughter of Pharaoh Um, and to say to her, right? Like, uh, can I call for you a nursing woman from the Hebrews to nurse for you this boy? And then in this incredible turn of events, which we often like just breeze through in this parsha as we're reading it and learning it, so many exciting things are happening. Bob Perot agrees. And because of Miriam's intervention, Moshe is saved and the entire course of biblical history has changed. And I, ha- I have more good things to say about Miriam, but first I wanna just pause and say like, is that not incredible, Brent? Is it not incredible that Miriam had the courage and the strength and the sense of self and conviction to approach a princess.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it is both incredible. It is an incredible testament to uh, Miriam's holy chutzpah or, you know, um, you know, job. What John Lewis talked about as good trouble. Um, but it's also I'm, I'm struck again of that midrash you brought a few weeks ago when we were learning um, I think it was and you brought this midrash about the radical contingency of life and you know on the one hand obviously this is a story we encounter this as a narrative told in words in the Torah but taking it at plain value there is also just the radical contingency of life like yeah if Miriam hadn't been standing there if if Bob Poirot hadn't said yes if 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 the world as we know it wouldn't exist it's all
0: radically contingent Absolutely, and um, what our our listeners, if there are and you don't know, is that through learning together we've become um, we've become life chavruta, and I love the way that uh, <laughs> we've, we've carried that midrash with us. Um, and yet, I think today I'm arguing, Brent, actually in a different direction because okay, it is go. of course the contingency. But there's a brilliance to Miriam that I need to highlight before we go into Parshat Shmot. Well, we're oh. in Parashat but to prepare us. And I think the brilliance is that, and I'll stop here, but I think the brilliance is that what Miriam did is she really understood, she read bat Perot. Her intervention worked, not only because of her bravery, but because of her intelligence, because she was able to read the situation carefully, that she was able to see in the daughter of Pharaoh, who was bathing by the Nile, seemingly quite content with the uh, structural systems of ancient Egypt, merely intrigued by a box with a baby in it, not outraged. Miriam could see all that. And she could see that the daughter of Pharaoh didn't want in that moment a structural critical read, a read that would point to the harm caused by her father's like fear-mongering xenophobia and policy of infanticide. Is that the word, Brent? I think uh, I said
1: that would that do. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that's just not where the daughter of Pharaoh was. And and uh, Miriam read that and could see that. And so instead of approaching Bat Paro, instead of approaching the daughter of Pharaoh, right, and saying, look at the cruelty that your father has caused, look at his inhumane policies. Miriam stepped in to the world and the perspective of bat Perot, And so she offered an interpretation of the situation that she, the daughter of Pharaoh, would find compelling. Simply that this particular little baby happened by chance to need food. And with that, I think Miriam saved her brother Moshe's life.
1: Yeah, for for sure, Miriam saved his life. I think that's that's for sure accurate. And I'm I'm intrigued by your arguments. If I'm understanding it right, that what Miriam was doing there was being, uh, in some ways, a progenitor of us. Right, being a close reader of her situation as we're trying to be a close reader of the text. And so I'm I'm thinking of two things. Uh, some from fairly radical, different uh, radically different places. So I spent a lot of time on planes in the past week and I watched this movie, War Dogs, um, which is about these two Jewish kids from Florida who wind up becoming an arms dealer in the Iraq war.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a weird movie, good movie, but weird. But one of the characters was described, played by Jonah Hill, was described as having this incredible ability to read people and give them what they wanted. And he did it in ways that were... Um, yeah, I mean, it becomes an arms dealer in ways that were morally dubious at best, right? And so I think what's, what's remarkable about Miriam here is that she brings for sure this ability that you're highlighting, this ability to read people and understand what the text of a moment demands, but also uh, wedded to that um, is a sense of rectitude, a sense of being able to use that power in, in an elevated way. And, you know, I think Rashi says on, you know, the Bat Paro, loading perhaps to a more generous read of Bat Paro, but that's a different conversation, that um, that the Shekhinah, that she perceived that the Shekhinah was there, right? And I wonder if that if it, that that presence of the Shekhinah was actually Miriam, right? That sense of Miriam having the interpersonal intelligence to say, as you said, what she needs at this moment is the personal, not the structural. But also doing that in a way that, you um, you know, was for the good, was for elevated purposes. She wasn't doing this to, you know, hustle some money out of Batparo or something like that.
0: See, I love that so much. And this is how we know that you're the rabbi and I'm the academic, that you're, the, that you're able to counsel, right? Because I'm like, no, it's me versus Rashi. And you just, you just <laughs> beautifully, I've been holding on to that, you know, false dichotomy for years and you just beautifully taught me like, Yes, yes. You, you and Rashi actually aren't so far apart from each other. Uh, you guys well, are it, it, so uh together. Um, I'm
1: you know. glad to reacquaint you with Rashi then. <laughs> but I want to, you know, and I know our, our time is short here. I, what The other thing that your, your teaching is really reminding me of is a book that I really think is one of the most important works of theology, of the Jewish theology of the last, I don't know, 20 years, my, my adult lifetime um uh, sacred attunement by michael fishbane mm. and a lot of what he talks about in this book um which for for uh for folks who come to judaism through texts as i imagine a lot of pardes folks almost by definition um are it is with the most beautiful theology of being a reader of jewish texts i've ever encountered and he basically talks about bringing a, uh, a, a pardes, if you will, hermeneutic of Pshat, Drash, Remes and Sod of ways of unpacking reality. But I just want to read this one line that I think is just so spot on. And it's um, in the printed version, it's on uh, page, it starts on 81 and i jump to 85. Um, Humans are thrust into the vastness of the world with its apparent givens and formalities. So much is this so that we may easily forget how much we bear responsibility for the way we construe things and interpret purpose or behavior. Nothing is just there as a matter of fact. Even so-called matters of fact are quote matters of quote fact because we determine them to be so in this or another way. Based on assumptions and correlations, right? Which is to say, we Brent and Ziva in 2022 read this text, and whatever we might think about the origins of the Torah, we understand it to have passed through human hands and you know, printed hands and digital hands, and and the um, you know, putting in the tamim, right? This is obviously a, a text worked by humans. But what Fishbane is saying, and I I think what you're saying for Miriam, is that it's not just the Torah in the book that is worked by humans, but we human beings live in a world that is made by humans. Even what you said before, you're an academic and I'm a rabbi. That's only true because other humans have said, okay, we're giving you smicha and we're giving you a PhD, right? There's nothing inherent in our blood, in our body. We exist in those roles of of academic and rabbi, uh, 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 husband, wife, mother, father, we're in those roles because we're in a human constructed environment, which is a beautiful thing. But just like we bring the tools of pardes to read a human constructed text like the Torah, we can also bring those tools to read the human constructed world we live in every minute of every day.
0: Absolutely, and I think I think um, I think that that's what Miriam teaches us that. When we work on the skills of close reading, these are these are text skills, but you know what? The whole world is a text. And so when we do it right, they're interpersonal skills too.
1: That is the most Jewish thing I've ever heard anybody say, and I fully endorse it.
0: <laughs> Brent, it is such a pleasure as always to learn with you, and I'm wishing you the sweetest Shabbat Shalom.
1: You too. Have a wonderful Shabbat, and I look forward to learning more next time.
0: Yes. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.